Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Sheikh Muhammad Duar. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda. Amma ba'd. We continue, my dear brothers and sisters, with the explanation of Kitabul Iman from Sahih Muslim. And in our previous lesson, we began discussing the hadith of the man who came to ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam regarding the affairs of the religion. And before that, we spoke about the famous hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam when he came to ask the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the affairs of the religion. And then we spoke about another man who they described, the Sahaba described to have disheveled hair, uh, meaning he was from the Bedouins, from the Badia, who lived in the desert. And a number of narrations coming up are regarding the same uh, story regarding this man who came to ask Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam about the religion and that man if you recall after he asked about the obligatory actions he would ask the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam do i have to increase like on the five daily prayers and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said no unless you do so out of voluntary or voluntarily and the fasting and the zakat and so forth and then he made an oath that he would not increase from them or decrease and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said he is successful if he is truthful he is successful if he is truthful and we took a number of lessons that we derive from this hadith and we continue to take more lessons from it. And from the lessons that we take from this hadith is the proof that the only obligatory charity is the zakat. The only charity which is obligatory is the zakat. Whether it is zakatul mal or the zakat al-fitr, the end of Ramadan, uh, this is the only obligatory As the hadith indicates to The man said Do I have to increase? And the Prophet ﷺ said no Unless you choose to And in this hadith The Prophet ﷺ He said about that man He will succeed if he is truthful Meaning If he is truthful in what he's saying That he's going to fulfill the obligations Even if he's not going to increase on them But if he is truthful He will succeed and in the narration of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, it says that the Prophet ﷺ informed the man of the shara'i' of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ taught the man the fundamental sharia of our deen. And it shows that this hadith is general. And the Prophet ﷺ explained the pillars of Islam in detail. And if this is the case, then 
it is obligatory on us to believe that whoever comes with what Allah has obligated upon him has succeeded and is saved. This hadith teaches us that if you come on the day of judgment with what Allah Azzawajal obligated upon you and staying away from the prohibitions, then you will succeed. This is a promise from Allah Azza wa Jal. And the Salaf, the pious predecessors, they have all agreed that whoever does the obligations and he abandons sins, he will not be punished in the next life. This is a promise. We must believe that as Muslims, you must have this healthy type of hope. This healthy raja, that if you do the obligations and you stay away from the sins, Allah will not punish you. You must have that certainty as an iman. Even though leaving the recommended actions is frowned upon by the salaf, Leaving the sunnah actions, my brothers and sisters, is not something recommended. And the salaf used to frown upon the person that left the sunnah or would not perform the sunnah actions. They would even not accept their testimony. The salaf were very strict. If someone was known, for example, not to pray his witr prayer, they would not accept his shahada. If he came to testify in a court, they would reject his shahada. But don't get the two things confused. Because the voluntary actions are sunnah. The salaf frowned upon whoever left the sunnah and abandoned the sunnah. But the hadith is still proof that whoever does the bare minimum from the obligations and he leaves the haram, he will succeed. Because An-Nabi said about that man, he is successful if he is truthful. And this does not oppose the fact that success in the akhirah is different levels, my brothers and sisters. Not all the success is the same. Just because the Prophet said about this man, he will succeed if he is truthful, it doesn't mean all success is the same because we know Jannah is different levels. You might succeed in entering the lowest part of Jannah. Others might succeed in entering higher parts. And you as a Muslim, you should always aim for the highest. We should not have this mentality where we hear sometimes from our brothers and sisters, Wallah, if... I enter paradise crawling, I'm happy. It's true, you will be happy just to enter paradise. But why should that be your aim? The Muslim should always have high aims. And Nabi wasallam said, if you ask Allah for Jannah, ask Him for the Firdaus, which is the highest part of paradise. And beneath the Firdaus, or above the Firdaus, is the Arsh of the Rahman. So we, we shouldn't be this type when it comes to dunya affairs. MashaAllah, we aim very high. I want to be this. I want to achieve this. I want that. But when it comes to the affairs of our deen, 
We aim very low. Wallah, if I enter Jannah crawling, I'm happy. Subhanallah. You as a mu'min should aim high to achieve the highest of paradise, to be the greatest of Muslims and the best of believers. This is what Allah Azza wa Jal loves from you. Also in this hadith, which we touched up on last week, in one of the narrations or in this narrations, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Aflah wa abihi in sadaq. Aflah, he is successful by his father if he is truthful. We said that in this narration, it appears that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made an oath by that man's father. And we know that it is haram to make oaths by other than Allah. Man halafa bighayri Allah faqad ashrak. Whoever makes an oath, by other than Allah has committed shirk. So in this narration, it has this wording, where the Prophet ﷺ said, he is successful by his father if he is truthful. And the ulama gave a number of explanations. One of the explanations is that the wow of the qasim here is not actually a wow of qasim. It's not a wow of oath, wa'abi. That's one of the explanations. It has a different meaning in the Arabic language. And this is a weak opinion, as the ulama have mentioned. Another opinion is that this happened from the Prophet ﷺ before the prohibition. Yani the Prophet ﷺ made an oath by the man's father before it was haram to make oaths by the fathers. Because as we know, Islam came down in stages. And that was actually one of the preferred opinions of the children of the great Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah. But the ulama said this opinion is also difficult to accept. Because in order to determine if it was before the prohibition or after, we need the timeline. And we don't know the timeline. We don't know if this was said before or after. If we have the timeline, then by all means. And the third opinion is that there was words missing. Rather than by his father, what was really said was by the Lord of his father. Meaning by Allah. And this opinion also the ulama, or some of the ulama, declared to be a weak opinion. Based on the proof. He says the best thing that is mentioned according to this is what? Ibn Abdul Bar rahimahullah said and that is that he has succeeded by his father this oath by his father is not what is authentic in the hadith meaning that particular narration that makes an oath by his father is weak and the authentic is what came on the other chains he has succeeded if he is truthful. That's what was authentic. 
So the narration that mentions the oath by the father is not sahih. Wallahu a'lam. This hadith also teaches us that it is good to give the bushra glad tidings to the ones who do good. If someone is doing good in his religion, you should encourage them and you should give them glad tidings. You should say, well done. And inshallah, this amal you're going to find on your scales in the next life. This type of glad tidings, the Prophet ﷺ used to do it. And that's why he said about this man, he will succeed if he is truthful. So giving glad tidings to the doers of good is a good thing. We also benefit from this hadith, the greatness of these pillars, which are the pillars of Islam. Because the man asked to learn about his religion and the Prophet ﷺ spoke about those pillars only. It shows their importance. And we also benefit from this hadith, my brothers and sisters, that whoever has deficiency in the pillars cannot be successful. Whoever has shortcomings in the pillars, he cannot be successful in the next life. Because the Prophet ﷺ linked the man's success to him doing the obligations of those pillars. And that's very important. If you want to succeed in the next life, you must have the pillars of Islam and the pillars of Iman rock solid. They cannot be shaky. And this is what your success in the Akhirah is linked to. He then moves on to the next chapter. Babu Su'ali An Arkan Islam. This chapter is titled Asking About the Pillars of Islam. And the first hadith in this chapter is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He narrated and he said, We were forbidden to ask anything from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we will explain what this means. Anas ibn Malik is saying, We were forbidden from asking Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anything. Therefore, we became happy when an intelligent person from the dwellers of the desert, meaning from the Bedouins, we became happy when an intelligent person from the Bedouins would come and ask the Prophet ﷺ and we would listen to it. He said a man from the dwellers of the desert came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, O oh Muhammad, your messenger Meaning the Prophet's messenger, because the Prophet used to send out people to call to Islam. So they're the messengers of the Messenger of Allah. Understood? So this Bedouin is telling the Prophet, your messenger came to us and he told us your assertion that verily Allah sent you as a prophet. So this Bedouin is telling the Prophet, your messenger came and told us that you claim. That Allah sent you as a prophet. So the Prophet ﷺ said, My messenger said the truth. He told the truth. So then the Bedouin asked the Prophet, ﷺ, Who created the heavens? So the Prophet ﷺ replied, Allah. The Bedouin then again asked, Who created the earth? 
And the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah. Then the Bedouin asked, Who raised these mountains and who created in them whatever is created there? Again, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah. Then the Bedouin said, By him who created the heaven and created the earth and raised the mountains, has Allah in fact sent you? Look, he's asking the Prophet ﷺ, By Allah, I'm asking you, has Allah sent you? And then the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes. So the Bedouin said, Your messenger also told us that five prayers are obligatory for us during the day and the night. And the Prophet ﷺ said, My messenger said the truth. Yes. There is five salawat during the day and night. Then the Bedouin said, By him who sent you, is it Allah who ordered you about the prayers? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes. Then the Bedouin asked, Your messenger told us that zakat has been made obligatory on us. And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. He said the truth. The Bedouin then said, by him who sent you as a prophet, is it Allah who ordered you about the zakat? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. Then the Bedouin asked, he said, your messenger told us that it had been made obligatory for us to fast every year during the month of Ramadan. And the Prophet ﷺ said, He has told you the truth. And then the Bedouin asked, By him who sent you as a prophet, is it Allah who ordered you about the fasting Ramadan? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes. The Bedouin then said, Your messenger also told us that Hajj to the house has been made obligatory for him who is able to undertake the journey to it. And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. The narrator said, the Bedouin then left, he took off at the conclusion of this answer. But at the time of his departure, he then said, by him who sent you with the truth, I would neither make any addition to them, or would I reduce anything out of them? And then the Prophet ﷺ said, If he is truthful, then he must enter paradise. Look at this conversation between this Bedouin who came from the desert and the Prophet ﷺ. For this Bedouin, someone came to him and called them to Islam. That's the messenger of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that shows you that Rasulullah sallallahu he used to send the Sahaba out to call people to Islam. So whoever the Prophet sallallahu sent to them to call them to Islam, he called them to Tawheed and the pillars of Islam. So that Bedouin came to the Prophet sallallahu to ask him about that, and this was the conversation that took place. Okay, who narrated the hadith? Anas ibn Malik. Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, ibn al-Nadr, 
His kunya was Abu Hamza al-Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He was the servant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he served Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa for 10 years. And he said, when I served the Prophet ﷺ for 10 years, he never said to me, why did you do something that I done? Or why didn't I do something that I didn't do? That was the akhlaq of the Prophet ﷺ. And he was from the Mukthirin, the ones who narrated many hadiths from Rasulullah ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ made dua for Anas ibn Malik. For barakah in his wealth and he became very rich. And in his offspring he had a lot of children. And he made dua for him in Jannah to to achieve Jannah. He passed away in the year 93 Hijri and he was 103 years old. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu when he passed away. Okay, Anas ibn Malik at the beginning of the hadith he says... We were forbidden to ask the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What does he mean by this? Does that mean the Sahaba weren't allowed to ask the Prophet sallallahu Of course not. They asked the Sahaba, they asked the Rasulullah sallallahu many questions. But what this means is that we were forbidden to ask the Prophet sallallahu about anything that was not of benefit. We were not allowed to ask unless there was a need to ask. And that's a lesson for us, my dear brothers and sisters. Sometimes we ask questions that have no benefit. This type of questioning is no good. Only if a question has a benefit, you ask it. If a question has no benefit, you don't ask it. The Prophet ﷺ said about the past nations, what destroyed the past nations? Too much questioning of their prophets. And sometimes brothers and sisters fall into that. And it's not intentionally. It's they're genuine and they're sincere. But part of studying your deen is to know the appropriate questions to ask. Like subhanAllah, they they get into huge debates over the, the tree that Adam alayhi salam ate from. What was it? What was the fruit that Adam alayhi Subhanallah. What does it matter? Or the, the dog in the story of Ahlul Kahf. Didn't the people of, of the cave have a dog with them? Allah mentions it in the Quran. They had a kalb with them. They get into huge debates. Was it a male or a female? What does it matter? And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to seek refuge with Allah from ilm la yanfa'. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ لَا يَنْفَعْ I seek refuge with you, O oh Allah, from knowledge that does not benefit. But subhanAllah, this type of questioning is not good. And this is what Anas ibn Malik is mentioning here. We were forbidden from asking the Prophet ﷺ, meaning questions that had no benefit. But asking what is beneficial is from the deen. And you must. And if you remember the previous hadith, and Nabi Sallallahu said to the Sahaba, ask me. But they were too afraid to ask. And that's when Jibreel came down, alayhi salam, and he asked the Prophet Sallallahu about Islam, Iman and Ihsan. So we have to be wise in the questions that we ask. 
And before we ask them, we should ask, is there a benefit in this knowledge for me? Does it benefit me in any way or not? If the answer is yes, of course, you ask and you should. If the answer is no, don't ask the question. This is what the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were taught from the Prophet Okay, why did Anas say, so we, it pleased us when an intelligent person from the Bedouins would come and ask. Because the Bedouins, my brothers and sisters, were different to the general Sahaba. You have to understand the Bedouins are people that live in the desert. They don't live in the city. So they have different adat. They have different traditions. And they're known to be more hard and harsh. It's their nature. Because subhanAllah, they live in the desert. And they're very courageous in speaking. So Anas is saying, we used to hesitate to ask Rasulullah but when the Bedouins would come, but he said intelligent Bedouin. He said when the intelligent Bedouin would come, we'll get happy. Because we know he's going to ask the Prophet questions and we're going to benefit from it. And he said intelligent when the intelligent Bedouin comes because the majority, as the ulama say, the majority of Bedouins or in general the Bedouins, yani the, the ignorance prevails over them. Okay, and harshness. Like subhanAllah, a Bedouin entered the masjid of Rasulullah and what did he do? He urinated in the corner of the masjid. Yeah? Because to him that's normal. This is the lifestyle of the Bedouins. Okay. So he asked the Prophet ﷺ who created the heaven. And that's, that shows wisdom from this Bedouin. He asked intelligent questions. So he asked the Prophet ﷺ who created the heaven. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah. And he did not ask this question just for the sake of questioning. He asked because he was going to say something after as the hadith mentions okay what do we benefit from this hadith this conversation between rasulullah and the bedouin there's a number of lessons number 1 this bedouin his name is known his name is damam ibn thalaba and he was from bani sa'ad ibn bakr the same tribe of halima Radiallahu anha, who breastfed Rasulullah. Didn't Halima breastfeed the Prophet when he was a child? This man, this Bedouin in this conversation with the Prophet was from the same tribe as Halima. In the hadith, he came to the Prophet and he said, O oh Muhammad. He didn't say, Ya Rasulullah, and he didn't say, Ya Nabi Allah. He addressed the Prophet by his name, O oh Muhammad. And the Prophet ﷺ did not correct him. Even though there's a verse in the Qur'an. Allah says in the translation of the verse, Do not make your calling of Rasulullah among yourselves as the call of one of you to another. Meaning, don't call the Prophet ﷺ the way you call each other. 
That's an ayah in Surah Nur. Meaning, don't call the Prophet by his name. But this Bedouin, he came and he said, O Muhammad. And the scholars mentioned, again, that this incident could have been before the prohibition. Remember the Quran came down in stages. Maybe this Bedouin said, O Muhammad, before the verse had come down. Or it could have been after. We don't know the timeline. It could have been after, but this man was unaware of the ruling. He was a Bedouin. He didn't know the knowledge that the rest of the Sahaba knew. And the one who does not know is excused until he knows. We also benefit from this hadith. It teaches us that the five prayers are repeated daily throughout the day and the night. And this is consensus. No one denies this from the Muslims. Also from the benefit of this hadith is what was mentioned by Ibn Salah rahimahullah. He said this hadith is proof of what the imams of the Muslims mentioned that the general Muslims are believers. This Bedouin, when he came to the Prophet he did not have the details of knowledge. He asked the Prophet are you the messenger of Allah? Prophet ﷺ said yes and he accepted. And that shows that the general layman of the Muslims is a mu'min. And this is a very important point. Because some people have it twisted the other way. They have it twisted the other way where it's as though everyone is a disbeliever. Yani from the ummah of Muhammad ﷺ. Everyone is a disbeliever until... It's proven that he is a Muslim. And this is incorrect. The Muslim, on face value, you take his Islam. Until he brings something to contradict that. To go against that. And that's why the ulama of hadith, they always said that the Muslim is trustworthy until proven otherwise. Not wallah, the Muslim is non-trustworthy until proven to be trustworthy, no. You cannot have this mentality. The Muslim, you take his Islam on face value unless he brings something that contradicts that. That's when you give a different ruling. And Ibn Salah mentions this point based on this hadith. So as long as the general layman of a Muslim has the belief in the truth without any doubt or hesitation, we classify him to be a believer. As opposed to those who deny this from the Mu'tazila, the Sheikh says, because the Prophet affirmed what Bamam was upon from affirming the messengership of Muhammad and the Prophet believed him and accepted it from him. Simply from Bamam saying it. Once Bamam said, I, I acknowledge and I accept, that's it, the Prophet accepted it from him. And the Prophet did not go into the philosophy that these philosophers go into. 
where they say it's what is obligatory upon you is to prove your iman by looking into my miracles and to use the evidences which are certain which will benefit you the correct knowledge. This is what the Mu'tazila and their followers claim to be the first obligation upon man. The first obligation, they say, is to look into the proofs. To look into the proofs, to prove the existence of Allah Azza wa Jal and the truthfulness of the message of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And by looking into the proofs, it gives you the correct beneficial knowledge. This is falsafa. This is philosophy. Look, simple. Dead one came. Are you the messenger of Allah? Did Allah really send you? Yes. Alhamdulillah. See how beautiful and simple Islam is. But it's the people of innovation who complicate it. It's the people of innovation who complicate it. We also benefit from this hadith, my brothers and sisters, that it is permissible to use khabar ahad in matters of aqidah. And that's an important point. Because there's a huge battle between the people of truth and the people of falsehood regarding ahad narrations. And the ahad narration is the narration that comes on a few chains. One, two, three, some said up to ten and less. Okay? They say if a hadith is ahad, we can't take it in aqidah. A hadith must be mutawatir for us to take it in aqidah. This was a principle set by the people of innovation. Okay? So they say for a hadith to be accepted in aqidah, it must be mutawatir, meaning it must have a lot of chains. And no one from the Salaf al-Salih ever came with this principle. They created this principle because of their falsehood. This hadith refutes them. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent one man with the message. And the man who gave the message, the Prophet sallallahu approved of the message that he gave. And it was a message of aqidah. He taught the Bedouin and his tribe about Allah. And he taught him about the pillars of Islam. For this refutes those who say that the ahad narration cannot be accepted in aqidah. The scholars differed. This man, Bamam, was he a Muslim at this time or not? When he was asking the Prophet who created the heavens, who created the earth? The scholars differed. Was he a Muslim or was he not? The correct opinion is he was. And that was the opinion preferred by Al-Qadi, Ayyad, Rahimahullah, and others. And the hadith is also proof, like the previous hadith, that whoever fulfills the obligations will enter paradise. This is a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah, we will continue uh, with the next hadiths of the chapter in our next lesson. Bi'ithnillahi ta'ala wallahu alam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina Muhammad. This program was presented by the voice of Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah.